The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Now, all of us know that in order to keep our businesses going and to start new businesses, we need to know what those breakthroughs are, the ability to spot that next big wave of consumer demand. And I guess that's a $64 million question. Just how do you do that? A lot of business owners find themselves looking at their peers and going, how did they do that? How, how were they able to cash in on that? And today we have with us one of my favorite radio guests and authors, Mike Michalowicz. He is the entrepreneur behind three multi-million dollar companies, and he's the author of Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, and now a new book, Surge that answers the questions that I just asked there. He's also been author of The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which is a cult classic, and he's a former small business columnist for The Wall Street Journal, and he travels all over the world as an entrepreneurial advocate. So we're very happy to welcome him back to Smart Companies Radio to share his observations in Surge today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a joy to be here, Kelly. Absolutely. Okay, this is an in-the-trenches, no-nonsense kind of book. But before we get into the specifics, give us the overall picture, the concept of Surge. Sure. So uh, it's about putting your business in the right place at the right time. And I like to use analogies in my books. You know, something that's happening in our natural kind of environment can be replicated, I find, so much in our business environment. And in Surge, I had a reader come to me and say, uh, I enjoy this. Your other books, Mike, but. Always, <laughs> but. It's always yeah. daunting when you get a but. Yeah. He said, but, you know, nothing nothing will work if you're not in the right place at the right time. I, I can use all the strategy in the world to build, be a typewriter manufacturer, but, you know, that's a long gone past industry, so that's not the right time. So the question that came to me was, how do you put yourself in the right place at the right time? Mm-hmm. And I found in the kind of natural environment, if you will, uh, it happens, particularly with uh, surfers. Surfers, the sport of surfing is all about measuring up the waves that are imminently upon you. And that's, that was the key term I've discovered. We need to look for imminent trends. And surfers look for the waves that are imminently upon them, and then they follow a specific strategy to catch the wave. They paddle in front of it. They match the direction and speed as best they can. And then when the wave starts to overtake them, uh, the, they transfer exerting energy to capturing energy. It comes from paddling hard to balancing right, mm. and then the wave carries them forward. Well, this all translates into business, too. We, we have to look for the imminent waves, the trends that aren't in the future, but the trends that are playing out now, and then transfer our energy of being in front of that wave to riding the consumer demand. Oh, I love that analogy of the surfer. Who would have thought that you could apply that to business? But uh, And the balancing act, too. I mean, that is so important because when you uh, ride that wave and you start experiencing that growth, if you can't keep things in balance, a lot of times the growth will wipe you out, just like the wave will. Yeah. I mean, you know, some fascinating insights I've 
found in business in when we try to capture an imminent wave, and I can share strategies how to identify them, but as you try start identifying it, we do need to exert extreme energy to get the word out to that wave, to make them aware that we're present and available. But there is a certain moment, if you catch a wave that's moving, a consumer demand is moving aggressively, that you'll be in the unique position of being a uh, early provider of services or products to that market, but with growing demand, which puts you in a position where there's more demand than supply. And there's an interesting phenomenon that happens. At this stage, customers start talking to each other. Mm. Hey, where did you find that product? Hey, you know, I need this solution. I hear it's out there. I can't find these people. The consumers actually take over the marketing responsibility. So initial paddling, which usually translates to marketing and exposure, gets taken up by the consumer. And what I found is many businesses uh, unexpectedly get lazy here because they say, wow, our service is so great. Our product's so good. People are talking about Mm -hmm. it. We got everything right. And they just try to ride that wave without balancing. The key here is to realize once there is this momentum where the consumer demand is pushing you forward, it's also indicative that competition is going to set in and that your product and service needs to enhance significantly. So we need to shift from marketing aggressively to improving the deliverable aggressively. That's a great point. Um, And also, I mean, wouldn't you also start to have to enhance your marketing too? Because at that point, you're going to have to start letting people know what the distinctions are between you and the competition. Yes. So your messaging has to change. Yeah. Uh, The marketing in regards to getting the word out to the community Mm -hmm. and broad actually deteriorates. You don't need to do that as much, Mm -hmm. but you do need to concentrate how your product is distinct. Right. Now, the key to doing this all successfully, by the way, and I, I, I studied about 100 companies. For me to write a book takes about four years of research and study and thesis development. And I called down to roughly 12 to 15 stories that are in the book. One of the stories that I enjoy the most and I play throughout the book is the rise of Ugg, the famous boot. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with Brian Smith, the founder. And what a lot of people don't know is the early stage where he was trying to paddle in front of the consumer wave. And it, it's a coincidence, but it plays so well into the book. His first market was surfers. Ugg was not designed for teenage girls <laughs> and a fashion statement. It was made for surfers. Mm-hmm. And what he realized is that to catch a wave, you must first pick the cove that you're going to surf in. You, you, you don't. So many people have come to me and said, Mike, you know, what's the next big trend? And my response is, there are thousands of millions of them. We have to pick the cove we're in. We have to pick the niche we're in. So the first step in identifying the wave and therefore your marketing becomes more concentrated is to pick the very specific category that you're going to cater to and speak aggressively to them. At the same time, having the wherewithal to not be distracted and try to market to others outside that category. Okay, so so focus, figure out who your market is going to be. Um, so, and you've got five stages of surge. Yes, uh, yeah. So is, is that the first one or do you it have? It is. Okay. It is. And surge, um, which is a nice term for a definition of a, of a moving wave, mm-hmm. also is actually an acronym. So S-U-R-G-E are the steps. Ah. The S stands for separate. And that's what we just talked about, mm-hmm. separating out a niche. Uh, Brian did it with surfers. I, I actually, one thing I do is I write my books is, I also use myself as a guinea pig. I launched a new company <laughs> leveraging this concept, and I'm doing it with bookkeepers. So we have to pick the category that we're going to serve and separate them out. The, the next step is U. It stands for unify. And what that means is what is the community, that group we're targeting, 
what is their unifying need? Like, where are they moving? And how do we match our speed to, uh, or our offering up to that um, new, new requirement? The, the thing we have to understand this is once you pick out a niche, there's always movement going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always transition. New technologies, uh, new things cause the market to move. Uh, an example right now that we're experiencing is you know, the fate of taxi cab drivers and, yes. and taxi cabs as Uber and, and like products come about. And what's fascinating is as a new technology comes in, that triggers a lot of secondary requirements, and we can serve to that. So going back to Brian Smith's story with UGG, he noticed as he was targeting the surfers, he was looking for what are they unifying around, and there was something an interesting phenomena that happened uh, when he started his business in 1979 that – neoprene, the product neoprene, which is used for surfing now, used to be used for scuba diving, still is, that product was becoming uh, more technically advanced. It was becoming thinner uh, so that people could go into the freezing cold ocean, stay warm, but have the mobility to move their arms and so forth because neoprene was getting thinner and thinner, yet mm-hmm. keeping the body heat. Well, here was the interesting fin- the trigger that happened. Surfers now went from a summer sport to a year-round sport, but when they were surfing in the Pacific Ocean in the cold winter, when they would come out of the water, their feet would be freezing, and they were wrapping it in blankets mm. and putting their feet near the fires. And that's when he noticed, ah, there's a unifying need that they have. I need to provide a solution that matches what they're trying to do on their own. You've told me more about surfing today than I've ever known, too. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Now, let let me stop you for just a minute. You've talked a little bit about timing, and you've talked about you being the first one out there to capitalize on it and so forth. Sometimes, again, this goes to timing, sometimes uh, companies get something out there too soon, and they have to spend so much time educating. And in the meantime, then their competitors have learned and, and ridden the coattails of educating the marketplace so that they can come in and pounce. Can you speak to that? Yes, and that, that will devastate some businesses yes. too early to market. So the key is this. What are, the, what are the indications of an imminent wave? Now, let me just define what an imminent wave is. That means that the early adopters have stuck through the challenge period. There is a period where early adopters take on a new product or concept and test it out and start utilizing it. But they are challenged by the people that surround them saying, are you crazy? You, you bought this, you bought that. If they can get through that period, that, and now they're starting to convince those challengers to actually become consumers, that's where a wave is now surging aggressively. I, the example I can use in modern times right now is the electric car. I, I suspect the first person that bought a Tesla that their their friends and stuff challenged them and said, are, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, an electric car, that's called a golf cart, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure they were challenged and, and, and the questions were, we're coming uh, toward them saying, you know, electric car, that, that sounds like uh, battery acid and, they, and your battery could explode. Uh, you'll probably get one mile before the thing runs <laughs> out. And those early adopters had to face those challenges and actually persuade those challengers to buy the Tesla. And you know it's happening if in your own neighborhood, and I suspect, Kelly, in your neighborhood, just like mine, it's happening. Mm-hmm. If you see multiple people showing off their cool new Tesla uh, and sticking with it, and more Teslas being acquired, that's the indication of an early surge. And now Tesla actually plays out a little further. They just acquired 400,000 pre-orders, the, the biggest in world history for cars. So now we know there's a surge of electric cars coming. The opportunity, now that this is a proven imminent wave, now is the time to set in on that. 
And the question, of course, is what are all the ancillary requirements needs? How is the market going to shift? Now, maybe one consideration is uh, electric cars require a huge amount of energy for cooling the cabin or heating the cabin. Maybe you can create a product that that integrates with the windshield to control temperature changes. Mm-hmm. Maybe fueling stations is a big opportunity as we go from gasoline to electric. You know, there's tons of ancillary opportunities. Here's where people get kind of too early into a wave. If we continue with that automobile analogy, we can talk about the autonomous car. There's a lot of buzz about how Google yeah. and other companies are investing in the autonomous car. But the, the real simple acid test is who in your neighborhood has an autonomous car? Like how many have you seen around? I've never seen one. Right. And there's the answer. It's too early. Mm-hmm. And companies are trying to move into that space and develop technology, and it's premature. We don't know how it's going to play out yet. So look not for distant waves. Surfers don't. They look for the waves that are upon them and measure them up. Look for imminent waves. Okay, so imminent waves, that is the key. Let's go back. I I took you off of your train of thought, but that question popped in my mind. Um, Let's go back to the steps. We've gone through, and and the word surge spells the five steps. We've gone through how you separate out a niche. We've talked about unifying. What's the R stand for? R stands for the rally cry, and and it's very similar to a mission statement or a tagline, but it has a very specific purpose. As the early adopters start acquiring your product or service, they will be attacked. I just talked about the challenges will come about. Mm-hmm. You need to empower them. You need to empower them to defend and protect themselves and spread the word. For, for example, the rally cry we have for our business where we're serving bookkeepers is that we exist to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. And we have a methodology behind that and educate bookkeepers in that process. But when one of our clientele get challenged, they are steadfast because they're serving a greater mission and they can propagate on, on that uh, tagline. Uh, Brian Smith from UGG has a great example. His was simply year-round surfing. And with the UGG, you know, people could look at that boot and say, that looks crazy and bizarre. If you were the first surfer wearing that, people definitely mock <laughs> you. But you can say, hey, man, I can surf year-round now. And that's how you defended and protected yourself. It was what your inaugural early adopters rallied around. All right. That and and uh, you do, you give man ammunition is basically what you do. And uh, simple, simple, simple. Like all all your surfing, year round surfing. That is great, yep. easy to remember. Um, G. What is a G? G stands for gather. So going back to the surfing analogy, uh, the rally cry, by the way, is when the surfer feels the change of the wave from them paddling to the wave mm. pushing. The gather phase, it's interesting. When you're up on a wave, now you've got to look for what's called the uh, pocket of the wave. It's where the greatest energy is. And you actually have to scout for it. You get up on the wave, and you'll see surfers looking to the left and to the right because they're looking for the pocket. It's will give them the most force and momentum in their surfing. Well, when it comes to business, we've got to look for the pocket. Where's the core energy? What's the one thing we're doing right that's connecting with the one strongest type of customer? So there's a lot of knowledge we've got to gain. We talked about it earlier. Once you're up on the wave, you think, well, man, the wave is carrying me. Consumers are buying for me. Clearly, clearly I have everything right. No, this is where competition will set in. This is where your lean kind of inaugural minimum viable product, that initial idea, now needs to become much more sophisticated. How you do it is by constantly seeking knowledge and feedback from your customers. Survey, ask questions. But the biggest, most important thing is watch behavior. It's socially appropriate always to say nice things. So you can do a survey of customers and say, what's your experience like? And everyone says it's great, and then they don't do business with you again. <laughs> it's, it's because it's socially appropriate to say things are great. Right. So we really need to be very cognizant of behavior. 
if you have a technical product, it's very easy. Monitor what people are using most. If you have a service product, look at your billings. Ironically, where people spend more is what they like more. So move toward that. We have to have the discipline in this stage to amplify what's working and to eradicate or get rid of what's not. Okay, and, and that makes perfect sense. The next letter and the last letter is E, so this would be the final step. What is that? Yeah, it's called expansion, and uh, it is, and it's very important that this is the final step. Most businesses that I studied try to jump to the step, and then they, they get what's called tombstone, another surfing term. It's when a wave knocks you over and thrusts you actually to the ocean floor. Ooh. This is the most deadly or dangerous part of surfing because they can throw you upon the floor and kill you. Mm -hmm. And the tombstone comes from the fact that the surfboard typically will shoot straight up out of the water looking like a tombstone. Mm. If you jump to this phase without doing the other four stages, watch out for being tombstone. Likely you will be. But if you've mastered the first four stages, expansion is where you look at what's working with the current market and you start replicating it out across other niches. For most business I found, it's only when they surpass 10 or even 20, 30 million dollars in revenue. How Brian Smith did it was he first catered to the surfing market. Once he figured out their formula that, that you know, cold feet got to be fixed, cold, wet feet is their challenge, and that uh, the semi-pros and stuff in the market were the ones who were actually spreading the word. So if he can get a semi-pro surfer wearing Uggs, chances are all the other uh, surfers would emulate that core surfer. Well, he said, where else does this play out? Hockey. He noticed that hockey players had cold, wet feet after they were out playing hockey, and he went to the semi-pros and was able to replicate the exact same progress of, of selling Uggs in that market very quickly. He then did it for skiers, hunters, and only once, Ugg now is maybe between 50 and $100 million, did he go for the ultimate expansion, the <laughs> most competitive, vicious uh, group in the world, which is teenage girls. Yes. And uh, he went after, he said, okay, I got to get, I get the semi-pros that are being emulated to wear these boots. And at the time, this was now early 2000s, Brooks Shields, uh, Britney Spears, they were the popular forces. He got it on Brooks Shields. And Us Weekly had a picture on the cover of the magazine of, of Brooks Shields wearing Ugg boots, and then it was game over. The company went from $100 million now to a billion-dollar-plus revenue business by expanding, by replicating. Absolutely. Now, so you, you go out and you replicate it in other markets once you have a lock on your first market. Uh, right. So you keep going. And then I liked what you said. Um, it was interesting what you said about the celebrity, uh, getting it on a celebrity. You know, some a lot of businesses are successful doing that, you know, getting it in the Academy Awards packet or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's those kinds of things. But for the vast, vast majority of businesses, you're not going to be able to get it on a celebrity. Is there some piece of advice you can give to our listeners about uh, how they can get it out there without necessarily getting it on a, a Brooke Shields or yeah, something like yeah. that? So, well, I'll tell you, it, it's the definition of the cool kids. So. <laughs> you've got to find who the cool kids are in the community. And it's not necessarily Brooke Shields or whoever the uh, famous actor celebrity is. It's the celebrity in that marketplace. So for the Tesla, I don't care if I see some actors seeing it, but if the guy in my neighborhood that everyone looks up to is driving a Tesla, he has a lot of influence over me. Mm -hmm. What was interesting with Brian Smith of UGG, he initially went after models he said, if I can get models wearing my boots dressed up uh, you know, in, their sur in surf gear, people are going to want to emulate that. So he got the most attractive people he could find and hire. 
And what was fascinating was that it caused a negative response. Sales declined. And he caught wind of why when he was at a surf shop when one of his surfing buddies was there flipping through a magazine and didn't know Brian owned UGG. And he pointed his picture and said, what posers? These folks are posers. Uh. You see? And wouldn't do it. So the celebrity is the person who is considered cool. Now, for the teenage girl, Brooke Shields at the time was considered cool. Right. She also happened to be an uber celebrity. But for us, just seek out the cool kids in the niche. It doesn't have to be the person that's famous. It's just the person who wields influence. And uh, sometimes it's just meeting them face-to-face and showing them your product or service or even having the courage to give it away for free for that one person because of the influence they wield over everybody else. Exactly. Now, you have taken us through these steps and used examples of companies that grew into multi-million, many multi-million dollar companies. Mm -hmm. If I'm sure there's people listening today, business owners listening today, and quite frankly, they want to grow their business, but they don't want to aspire to be um, a household name like that. Is is this advice, can it be tailored for businesses that want growth, but not necessarily at that level? Yeah, heck yes. And I actually high five and applaud those folks because I don't want that either. I thought I did early on. And, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain, I want the right size to find mm-hmm. me. And I, and I think I now have a sense for what that is. And surge applies to a business that does 100000 in revenue and that satisfies your lifestyle or a million or 10 million or whatever you aspire to be size wise. One of the, my favorite examples actually in the book uh, is a guy named Chef Dominic Ansel. Maybe you don't recognize his name, but you may recognize a product he made called the Cronut. He's the inventor of the Cronut that uh, came about. There was a craze about it starting about five years ago, and he's carried that wave uh, all the way to the bank, I mean, the literal physical bank. He was the inventor of blending a donut with a croissant yes. and, and uh, called it the Cronut. And when he invented this product and started to ride the surge, out of his bakery in New York, he was approached by investors and backers saying, we can open 100 more locations, Cronut stores everywhere. This is such a uh, a find. And he said, no, that's not who I am. I don't want big. I just want to be the best. And he decided to only have one bakery, he still does today, in New York City. But here's what's fascinating. We can go any morning. We can go this morning. We can go tomorrow morning. Any morning, we can go to his bakery and there is a line typically of 100 people before the store opens mm-hmm. waiting to buy a Cronut. People literally uh, tra- travel across the globe in part to stop at his bakery. And that's the power of it. So once you, you catch the surge, you have the right and the ability to stay within your market, to channel the way you want to channel. You don't have to expand. You don't have to carve up and cut up that wave like a, like a hardcore surfer, you can just have the ride of your lifetime all the way to the bank. Right. And, you know, sometimes that scarcity actually creates more demand. That's the, true. You know, the fact that people are coming from all over the world there to get it. He doesn't have to go to them. They He's built such a reputation around it, and he's got, you know, block-long lines. Uh, so sometimes you have to keep that in mind, too. Let, as we wrap up today, can you give us an idea of what some of the current surge opportunities are that you've maybe identified? Yeah. Yeah. So there's literally thousands of them. That's, and that's the question I get most commonly. Like, Mike, what's the next big surge? Well, we talked about the electric car, but we can go into any, literally any niche. So it's a very difficult thing to talk about. Uh, in, um, when I was studying bookkeepers, just because I'm there, bookkeepers, uh, what's happening in this market is happening in many other markets. The advancement of technology is, is happening so rapidly that a blinding speed now, it's replacing 
lots of the data in, data out processing. Now, this isn't just bookkeeping. This is in any field where there's kind of data management. The computers are actually now at the point that they're better than the humans. They can log into your bank account, reconcile your bank account, find the answer for you. And this is now eradicating the traditional market of bookkeeping and bringing out a new opportunity, which is consultative bookkeeping, where you can advise clients on once the numbers, those numbers come out on the actions to take around it, how to increase profit, how to cut costs and so forth. So any market you look in, the question is, if you see the word traditional appearing, I don't care what niche it is, <laughs> if, if there's traditional bookkeeping, traditional guitar playing, traditional lawn mowing, this is traditionally how we do it, that is usually a lead indicator that a surge is, is rising in that market. Okay, so good advice there. And even more in your book, where do you get a copy of that? Oh, sure. So the, the shortcut to get it is at MikeMichalowitz.com, which actually, as I say, that is not a shortcut because that's the longest uh, <laughs> name on the planet. My nickname in high school is Mike Motorbike. So go to MikeMotorbike.com. That'll get you to my website. Or if you want to Google me, just type in Mike space Mick, M-I-C. It'll automatically populate to the longest, most Polish name on this planet. That's me. Click on that. There's a free copy of Sur- or free chapter downloads of Surge, Pumpkin Plan, all my books. Plus, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal. Right. Uh, I give away all my articles, my best articles for free. And I'll give you one last promise. If you do visit my website, I do promise this. It is the most different website you've ever seen. I promise you that. I love your website. I love your website. It's, it's, it's irreverent. But yes. Yeah, yeah, it's irreverent, and I like that. Too. Sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously when it comes to our business website. So it's a lot of fun. And, you know, if you Google any of Mike's book titles, um, his name will come up right away and you can get to his website that way too. So Mike, thank you so much for being a guest on our show again today. Always enjoy it and always get a lot out of it myself too. Oh, such a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Thank you, Mike. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>